and everybody feels like, oh dear, it's a disaster, it's completely taken a step backwards. And of course, it, it does take a step backwards, but you keep going. And over the course of the long term, step by step, you make progress. And sometimes it's so small, it's sometimes it's on the micro level that you only realize you're making this kind of progress when you stop for a moment and look back from where you've come from. Today on Law Next, the past year has laid bare in shockingly explicit detail the racial inequities of our justice system. Now, LexisNexis is partnering with the Historically Black Colleges and University Law School Consortium and has launched a fellowship initiative for 12 students to spend nine months working to end systemic racism and further the rule of law. So today we're going to discuss this program with two of the fellows who are participating in it as well as with the president of the LexisNexis Rule of Law Foundation, which is providing $120,000 to support the fellowships. This is Bob Ambrogi, and you are listening to Law Next, the podcast that features the innovators and entrepreneurs who are driving what's next in law. We'll get to today's conversation in just a moment, but first, this. ShareFile is a secure, easy-to-use collaboration and workflow solution that has helped more than 90,000 customers secure data, share files, and collaborate on documents. With ShareFile for Legal, you can eliminate the never-ending speed bumps during client collaboration, giving your clients one tool to onboard, sign retainers, and share requested documents. It can also be easily integrated with popular workplace tools like Google Workspace, Salesforce, QuickBooks, Zapier, and more bringing even more ease to the client experience. To learn more about how ShareFile for Legal can help you keep work flowing, go to sharefile.com. Paradigm brings together four world-class legal software solutions to help legal professionals manage, automate, and grow their firms. With Practice Panther, Maris Case, Bill for Time, and Headnote, lawyers have the tools to seamlessly operate all aspects of their firm in the office or on the go. Learn why more than 40,000 lawyers use its products at joinparadigm.com. That's J-O-I-N-P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M.com. Now on to today's show. Well, welcome to all of you to the program today. And just to kick things off, I'm going to ask you to each uh, introduce yourself. And Ian, let's start with you. Ian McDougall, president of the LexisNexis Rule of Law Foundation. Yeah, well, you've 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 said quite a lot already. Um, the only, the only <laughs> There's thing, more to it than that, I'm sure. <laughs> the only thing I'd add is that I'm also the general counsel for LexisNexis. And uh, uh, so that's my that's the day job, so to speak. Thanks so much. Kaylin Kennedy, tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, just want to thank you for having me. And so my name is Kaylin Kennedy, and I'm a 3L at North Carolina Central University School of Law. And last but not least, Oscar Drawn, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. I'd also like to thank you and LexisNexis for this opportunity. And I'm a 3L at Florida A&M University College of Law. Great. Thanks to all of you for being here. So Ian, let's start with you and give us the overview of uh, this fellowship and why it was established, what, what the goal is. Sure. Well, um, the focus of the LexisNexis Rule of Law Foundation is uh, sort of what it says on the tin, which is uh, to advance the rule of law uh, around the world um, everywhere. 
And um, we have a definition of the rule of law, which is, which is specific and hopefully universal, which has four pillars to it. Equality before the law, um, access to the law, an independent judiciary, and access to remedy. So the first of those pillars, clearly equality uh, before the law, falls squarely within um, what we're trying to do um, with this scholarship. Now, the thing that I would say is that when we sort of started this campaign, if I can call it that, to advance the rule of law around the world, everybody looks to the developing world to, uh, you know, to, to see how can we advance the rule of law. And the point that we're making is that there is no country in the world that has mastered the rule of law. Uh, every country could do with uh, improving the rule of law. And so developed as well as developing countries are just as much in need of the assistance of uh, the foundation as any other. So in the United States, you, you made a, a very good uh, introduction to this with events that have been uh, happening over the course of the past year. It's clear to us that the systemic uh, racism issue is an issue. Um, it falls squarely within our first pillar of equality uh, before the law. And so this is an opportunity for us to, uh, to try and do something. And stage one of doing anything with regard to the rule of law is getting information, is finding out what actually is happening. And once you know what's actually happening, once the research has been done, you can actually put in place programs to try and do something about it. So that's approximately the background. And why why take this approach of of funding fellowships and, and working with the historically black uh, colleges and university law school consortium? Sure. Well, I mean, um, the starting point is that uh, we want to fight systemic racism in the legal system, in the in the justice system, if we can call it that. So, uh, working with the um, historically black colleges, we not only get access to some very high caliber people as you're going to uh, as you're going to talk to today but also people whose experiences are very highly relevant to the issue so uh, and also well, we're hoping as well that not only uh, they'll produce the high quality work we know they're going to uh, but also hopefully help with the career development of the participants as well so there's a whole range of benefits that we see in working in this way what might be the tangible outcomes of, of this or what would you like to see come out of this well um you're going to be hearing some examples uh you know in in just a moment of the projects which are being undertaken and uh, again they're all focused around being able to deliver some kind of um, real and beneficial change across the justice system. We've got in total, as you mentioned, 12 excellent projects and they had to apply. They had to uh, tell us what these projects were uh, in order to be, uh, be given this opportunity. We were impressed uh, by these different projects and so giving them the opportunity. But uh, we expect, first of all, some information and then we expect a program of action to be able to uh, help remedy some of the issues that are identified. Yeah. Kaylin, if you don't mind, let me uh, turn to you and first ask you what it was that interested you about this fellowship. Uh, why was it that you wanted to be part of this? So the reason that I wanted to be a part of this fellowship was because I am biracial. And so I am on both sides of the fence and being able to understand from different lenses how everyone has different experiences, we needed to have conversations and communication to be able to come up with viable solutions 
and what discrimination looks to one person may not look similar to others. And this was important to me coming from my background. So my project kind of revolves around creating a safe space for people in the legal community to have these conversations. And I want it to be unfiltered and, you know, where they can feel safe and it's anonymous if they choose to be. And that's kind of why I chose this fellowship. All right. Oscar, what about you? What interested you? Why did you want to be part of this? I I wanted to be a part of this because it gave me an opportunity to have some input uh, and and effect a change for a group of, of individuals that come in contact with the legal system on a regular basis that are somewhat overlooked and disenfranchised. Uh, Some of my communication and discussions that I've had with peers, friends, school members, and classmates uh, have shown the importance that individuals who appear without counsel, if if they don't have the proper resources and guidance, uh, can fall victim to some of the pitfalls that are in the legal system and have some quite detrimental effects for their their long-term stability throughout life. And this opportunity that LexisNexis presented uh, was a great opportunity to possibly affect some change in that area within the legal system. And Kaylin, let me jump back to you. I mean, you alluded to it a little bit, but but tell us in a little more detail what it is that you're going to be working on. So my project is an interactive web series. Um, I'm calling it Legal Vision. It will consist of a couple of episodes per season. And the first season's topic will be surrounding racial discrimination and injustices in the employment within the legal field. And this interactive web show will operate as a form of a non-judgment space for both sides of the fence of the legal community to have communication, ask questions, have knowledge and solutions about the racial discrepancies, but also having the option to stay anonymous while speaking on the platform. And who are you you targeting that towards? Who's the uh, audience? So my audience is everyone within the legal community. Um, So from attorneys to judges to janitors that work within the legal firm, anybody that kind of is involved in the legal community aspect and dealing with employment. So as we're talking, I think you really just kind of, we're all kind of just getting started, right? Uh, This started, was it in April or or May? So where are you, uh, Kaylin, in, in, in starting to work on that? So as of right now, um, I have established what form I'm planning to use and kind of getting ready to send out emails and slash advertise for attorneys, judges, anybody that's willing to share their story and be raw with it. All right. Oscar, uh, same question to you. Tell us a little bit more about your project, what you're going to be working on. My, my project my project is, is focused on providing an uh, interactive tool for individuals who are charged with low-level misdemeanor crimes. Studies have shown that these individuals that uh, appear and, and data has shown that in, these individuals that appear without the assistance of counsel, uh, in many cases, their cases are adjudicated quite quickly. They make decisions that a person represented with counsel in many cases would not make. And a lot of times these individuals also are from minority classes. One of the things that was really interesting to me throughout my research that I found was the reason that a lot of these individuals and uh, people that come from different minority groups opt not to uh, choose legal counsel is not solely on the the basis of financial reasons. Uh, These groups also in large part have a lack of trust for individuals that work within the legal profession 
and they therefore opt to defend themselves for these low-level crimes. The pitfall that uh, in many cases befalls them is that although these crimes do not appear to be quite significant in terms of the, the level of severity and punishment that will ensue if they are subsequently convicted, they do have long-term effects in terms of their ability to obtain housing, obtain employment, uh, provide for themselves. So I hope to provide a tool that not only helps individuals that may not be financially able to afford the assistance of counsel, but they might also opt to not obtain counsel just solely because they do not trust them and help them navigate these legal systems because they don't understand some of the, the decisions that they make in the long-term ramifications that will come from these decisions. Uh, hopefully the tool will be quite interactive. Uh, they could access it via a PC or a mobile device and, and, and kind of guide them, not teach them how to be a lawyer, of course, but just guide them and give them some insight on what they would need to do when they would need to appear, what some of these terms mean and, and how to fill out the proper documentation and navigating the legal system. Do you have any kind of coding background? Are you doing this yourself or you're working with others? On it? No, that's where I'm, I'm quite gracious and thankful for the Lexus Rule of Law Foundation. Uh, they've paired us up with mentors and individuals that are quite experienced in those type of endeavors. Uh, so my goal and, and where I'm at right now with, uh, within my project is, is crunching the data, locating the data, trying to find and locate individuals that would provide some feedback in terms of their experiences navigating these type of issues personally because I don't wanna create a tool that's based on what I think they need or what I think the problem is. Hopefully I wanna create a tool where individuals who have actually experienced these troubles tell me, well, this is what I experienced and this is what I wish I had if I were to come into this situation again or when I was going through this situation and thereby create a tool that's actually usable by these individuals. Yeah. How do you, uh, Oscar, how do you, I mean, you talked about that trust issue. How do you think you go about helping to get past that issue? How, how can through a, a tool, is it, can a tool like this help pro se uh, individuals get around that trust issue? I don't think the tool will, will actually alleviate the trust issues in terms of creating a trust in the, in the legal system. But I do think it could mitigate the, the number of individuals that fall victim to the system because of their lack of trust for the system. Uh, there are probably other elements and variables that would, would need to be changed and, and addressed for the level of trust to increase, but I think this tool would be helpful in decreasing the disparity that these groups experience due to their lack of trust in the legal system. Ian, uh, obviously we have two of the fellows here. Uh, could, could you either tell us a little bit more or, or sort of characterize some of the other projects that the 10 other fellows are working on this year? Yeah, so um, the theme that we are uh, trying to follow here is not only ways to try and end or at least minimize to start with uh, systemic racism, but also to do it through technology where we can in order to try and you know help that way. Because fundamentally, the way that we approach and all of the ideas have that as a consistent theme that there is the, in some way or another the application of technology. Because one of the ways that we believe uh, that we can help advance the rule of law is by what I call deploying our core skills. In other words, taking what you're already good at and deploying them in advancing some kind of a project to help advance the rule of law. And that's kind of intended to replace without being disrespectful to it, the, you know, the, the traditional sponsored bike ride to, uh, uh, you know, to raise money to write out a check to give to someone else. What we want to do is collaborate with these fellows 
and to come up with ideas and schemes that we can deploy, help them deploy, whatever the case may be, through combining technology and knowledge, I suppose. As we've been discussing, the LexisNexis Rule of Law Foundation and the Historically Black Colleges and Universities Law School Consortium have partnered to launch a fellowship for 12 law students to spend nine months working on projects aimed at ending systemic racism. You've heard from two of those students, Kaylin Kennedy and Oscar Drawn, about their projects, and Ian McDougall has told us a bit about the others. When we return, we'll talk with Kaylin and Oscar about how they see this experience as fitting within their law school experiences more broadly and their longer-term careers. We'll also get their thoughts on our ability to address systemic racism in a meaningful way. But first, let's hear from one of the sponsors that so generously supports Law Next. Bill for Time brings modern technology to the legal billing process. Automate your time tracking, create customized invoices, and process online payments in one place. Learn how Bill for Time can help you work more efficiently today at BillForTime.com. That's Bill, the number four, time.com. Welcome back to Law Next. We're discussing the fellowship program sponsored by the LexisNexis Rule of Law Foundation and the Historically Black Colleges and Universities Law School Consortium that is aimed at ending systemic racism in the legal and justice systems. But for the law students engaged in these fellowships, how hopeful are they that we can make meaningful progress towards ending such racism? In the second part of Law Next, I'll put that question to the two students who are our guests today, Kaylin Kennedy and Oscar Drawn. But first, I asked them about why they went to law school and how these fellowships fit in with their education and career goals. Kaylin, uh, I wonder if I could ask you what brought you to law school? Why did you want to go to law school? And, and how does this fit in with what you want to get out of law school? So the reason why I went to law school is because I wanted to help others. And I know that's a generic answer. But my, <laughs> it's a good answer. Though. Yeah. Um, but my passion was wow. really to want to engage and help others and was never wow. good at science. So couldn't go the doctor route. But I also think that what I'm taking out of this from going to HBCU school and having this fellowship, you know, deal like trying to end systemic racism, you know, it kind of touches my heart because I do come from both sides of the spectrum and it's very difficult because, you know, people are pulling you both ways and you don't really know how to operate or kind of deal with it. So I think having this opportunity with LexisNexis and the African Ancestry Network, I think that they kind of opened that door to help me kind of navigate what I'm going through and then also help you know, implement something that others can help get what they're going through. Yeah. Do you know yet what you want to do when you get out of law school? So I do. Um, I'm kind of interested in IP law. Um, I did want to be a defense attorney when I first went into law school. I think I'll still probably dabble in it. But as of right now, I'm really interested in intellectual property. Oscar, what about you? What got you interested in going to law school? And how does this fellowship 
fit in with what you want to get out of law school? Well, I always had an interest in going to law school. I probably took a, a little of a, a winding road to get there. Um, I did an undergrad in, in criminal justice and, and chemistry, and, and I wanted to do forensics. I subsequently ended up in Texas, and I, I ended up doing some investigative work with the uh, protective agencies, the Family uh, Department of Family Protective uh, Services, where I did some in some investigations with the uh, Department of State Health Services. And that experience led me to want to go back to law school. I performed investigations, and I watched those investigations unravel uh, to their endpoint. And it just made me have a desire to, to have more input uh, further downstream. And I knew if I wanted to have some type of additional impact further downstream than just conducting the investigation and handed it off to someone else, law school provided a good venue for me to be able to, to do that. Uh, so I uh, decided to return to school once again and, and attend law school. And I think this is, is just the type of opportunity that I was looking for. Uh, I wanted to actually be able to have an effect on something and, and affect change and assist others who needed that help. And I believe that is exactly what, what this fellowship is about, is, is helping others and coming in, in, in need and coming in and providing assistance to those who, who are less fortunate or just need someone to have their backs in, in, in these types of situations. And what about you? Do you uh, have you thought about what you're going to do, what you want to do or what you're going to do after law school? Uh, it's, it's bouncing around. I definitely think I, I, I want to do something that's on the defense side, but there are different venues and positives and negatives to everything. So I'm still kind of weighing my options there, to be honest with you. Yeah, sounds good. Ian, I should have asked this right up front and I really didn't, but, but what is the kind of the structure of this program? I, how is it set up? What guidance or, or uh, unifying aspect do you provide in terms of uh, pulling this all together? Yeah, well, um, it's it's directly managed by a colleague of mine at the uh, foundation, along with a person who is the uh, LexisNexis diversity officer, chief diversity officer. And so, between us, we hope to <laughs> hope to manage manage the program. Um, and um, that's basically it. the The foundation it's, itself is relatively small with regard to the number of people. Uh, that are in it. Um, but what we do is we pull on the resources of LexisNexis, mainly people, to volunteer to do things. So when we had the idea of setting up this scholarship through a, a donation from uh, LexisNexis, we appeal to volunteers, uh, and that's really, uh, that's really how it's done. And that's tremendously valuable. We have no shortage of volunteers. People really see the value of getting involved in this kind of work. And as I say, especially given, um, you know, some of the events that have happened in the United States during the course of the last 12 months that really uh, uh, brought these matters to the forefront. Yeah. What have you at, at the Royal Law Foundation taken away from these events of the last 12 months? I mean, I'm sure this is obviously one example of, of how you're trying to address that, but are you hopeful that we can, as a system, successfully address the inequities that we've seen, you know, glaringly over the past 12 months, but certainly is nothing new over the last 12 months. I mean, I, yeah. I've been a lawyer for a long time and I've seen this stuff for a long time. Indeed. And so I have both hope and caution. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, I think the great march of history uh, is in the right direction. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that the history marches very slowly. 
And um, so, you know, there's the, there's that saying in China, you know, t in, in China, 10 years is the short term. And uh, if you want to make systemic changes, it is a long road of a lot of little steps and, uh, and, and a relentless pursuit of it. And this is, you know, our experience all around the world, because sometimes we are, we might be engaged with a country, say, like Myanmar, to try and help them advance the rule of law. And then they have a coup and everybody feels like, oh dear, it's a disaster. It's completely taken a step backwards. And of course it, it does take a step backwards, but you keep going. And over the course of the long term, you step by step, you make progress. And sometimes it's so small, it's sometimes it's on the micro level that you only realize you're making this kind of progress when you stop for a moment and look back from where you've come from. And so as with all of these projects, as the ones that you know, you've heard about today, the important thing is that they make meaningful contributions to the march towards eliminating uh, systemic racism. Will we ever completely eliminate racism? No, I don't believe so, because you will get some people who will always be like this, I'm afraid, and uh, uh, you know, no matter what the situation is. But for the broad swathe of most people, I think the march of uh, progress is still uh, moving forward. Kaylin and Oscar, I wonder if I could kind of ask you about the same thing, just from your perspective. I, I, you're, you're not lawyers yet. You're, you're law students. You're coming into this system, coming into this world, the justice world. Uh, what's your perspective on the inequities of the system that you're you know, going to make a career out of? And, and how hopeful are you that we can meaningfully uh, address these issues? Kaylin, let me start with you. So I'm very hopeful just because, for instance, like like this opportunity that we have now, there's so many opportunities popping up to where, you know, we can address these issues and, and by talking about it, by coming up with solutions, we can help annihilate and eliminate basically systemic racism. And as long as we do as much as we can to try to combat these injustices and biases of racism out of the legal system, we have a lot of hope for the future to build a culture of inclusiveness with the legal system. And, you know, that's important because having different and divergent perspectives, you know, can create positive outcomes and contributions to this legal community. Oscar, uh, let me ask you the same question. Uh, what, what's your perspective uh, on, on these uh, sort of systemic issues in, in the legal system and how hopeful are you that we're you know, going to be able to make meaningful change with regard to them? Uh, I'm, I'm quite hopeful. Uh, I, I will say first and foremost, some of the, the incidents that have occurred most recently, uh, uh, no one's happy to see those. Uh, there's always some good that comes out of negative incidents and situations. And I be, believe one of the, the positives that have come out of this is that people are having conversations. People are uh, more receptive to different perspectives. And I believe that those conversations presents an opportunity to foster a bit more change, to you know go ahead and, and push the envelope a little bit further and, and address some of those issues that were underlying or may not have been addressed and that should have been addressed in the past. So I'm definitely hopeful because we have opportunities such as this uh, we have, you know, many different entities and companies and organizations throughout the country and, and not just here uh, within the United States, but globally uh, attacking this issue on a large scale. So with, with those endeavors and, and seeing the change that has, has occurred in such a short amount of time, I'm definitely hopeful uh, that things will continue to go in a direction. 
and we just have to realize that we, we can't change things that have been instilled in, in, in here within our society uh, overnight. Uh, it's the onus is upon us and, and individuals younger than myself to continue to work to address these issues so that future uh, generations will not have to experience these type of occurrences. Ian, um, we're kind of getting near the end of our time, but I just wondered if you want to kind of uh, wrap up uh, any any final thoughts on on why uh, you're doing this, why you think it's important, what you hope the outcome is going to be, uh, kind of give us your, your closing thoughts on the issue. Yeah, two, um, uh, I suppose, answers to that. Uh, the first one is that with regard to these uh, particular examples that we're talking about, and of course, all of all of the 12, these are uh, real um, impactful projects at the front end, at the coalface, to use that expression, because that's an important element, is meaningful projects uh, on the ground making a real change. From the macro level, we have to keep reminding people about the fundamental importance of advancing the rule of law. Because what we know is that the rule of law isn't only the right thing to do, but it is directly beneficial in a whole number of socioeconomic ways. Per capita GDP rises, uh, crime rates fall, uh, homicide rates fall, infant mortality rates drop, all of these things which are directly connected to advances in the rule of law means that advancing the rule of law is not only the right thing to do, but let's be frank about it, it directly benefits you. Your self-interest should be in helping to advance the rule of law, no matter who you are, um, no matter what uh, race you may be, no matter what part of society you come from. The only way for a sustainable, prosperous, fair society is through the rule of law. And this is why I think everybody should join in trying to advance the rule of law where they can, or at the very least, understand why the rule of law is so fundamentally important to everybody. And that, at the end of the day, is why we do it. We understand that, but it's certainly uh, a challenge to, uh, to achieve it in practice. Oh, no, no question. No question. And th this is, you know, if I can use my umpteenth cliche of this conversation, <laughs> um, this is the marathon, not the sprint. And, um, uh, you know, it's it's about being relentless and um, uh, and constantly driving it forward. But I would say this, that I think we are making progress, certainly with regard to our campaign uh, to advance the rule of law, because I don't know if, if you feel this way, but over the course of the last five, 10 years, I've heard the rule of law as a subject mentioned more often in the media now, recently, than I had for years and years before that. Nobody even spoke about it. Now it's spoken about in political debates, it's spoken about in different places. Now, whether they know what they mean when they say it is a different matter. But the good thing is that it is now a subject that's being spoken about. And that, I think, is also a major advance. Yeah, well, I, I am uh, I, I am with you that we we have to look at the at the long game uh, and uh, and that we're over the long game we're we're making progress, but uh, unfortunately we also see setbacks too. Kaylin, just before we wrap up, is there uh, anything else that you'd like to share about about this program or, or your thoughts on the subject? So I just want to share that I'm very grateful um, for this opportunity. And I appreciate you, Bob, as like trying to get our stories out there and trying to promote what we are trying to do on our end. And I just, you know, I hope that with the projects that are kind of being implemented, I hope that we see real change and that 
this stays around, our projects stay around for a long time and create change. Thanks a lot. And uh, Oscar, how about your last words? I'd like to first and foremost thank Lexus for this opportunity uh, because without them, I probably wouldn't be sitting here speaking with you, Bob. Uh, and I also like to take thank you for taking time out of your busy day to speak with us because I'm not sure. We don't know how many people will, will hear this conversation, but it, it might be the conversation that might change a couple more minds or, or uh, push someone to also uh, want to work in, in effect and bring changes and push and enforce the rule of law. So I thank you as well, and you all have a good day. Well, that would be great if that happened. Uh, thanks to all of you for participating. I really appreciated it. We have been speaking with Ian McDougall, president of the LexisNexis Rule of Law Foundation, Kaylin Kennedy, a fellow uh, in this program and a student at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and Oscar Drawn, another fellow and a student at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University College of Law. Thanks again to all of you. Our guests today have been Ian McDougall, president of the LexisNexis Rule of Law Foundation, Kaylin Kennedy, a law student at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and Oscar Drawn, a student at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University College of Law. Thanks to all of them for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Another show to check out is Contract Teardown, presented by our sponsor, Law Insider, on YouTube. Each week, they analyze contracts ranging from Y Combinator Safe Agreement to Robinhood Financial's Terms of Service. Find out about them at lawinsider.com resources. Law Next is produced, engineered, and edited by Populous Radio. I'm your host, Bob Ambrogi. I hope you'll join us again next time for another episode of Law Next.